0: On this episode of The Last King Podcast, we're going to be talking about Alita Battle Angel.
1: Hello and welcome. I am one of your co-hosts, Eccentric Tom. And this is a Battle Angel Shafiq. <laughs> oh <guess>. god. <laughs> I don't know, I can't think of any really cute or really appropriate uh, moniker for this uh, very particular episode.
0: I'm now just imagining you just tumbling to uh, arms,
1: of, the arms of an angel. Anyway, welcome again to The Last Game Podcast, where today we'll be talking about Alita Battle Angel, the new film uh, produced by James Cameron and directed by Mr. Robert Rodriguez, based on uh, Battle Angel Alita, internationally known, uh, also known as Gunb Gun- in Japan the classic manga that has never been properly adapted I would say until now yeah well We're you not had so the sure. OVA in the OVA is the basically Zone. a summary so yeah. uh, there's gonna be an extra special all angel battle battle of angel elite <laughs> angel
0: battle battle yeah my favorite kind of battle
1: yes angel battles are the best Okay, uh, very feathery anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that's the biggest release that's been. Uh, I mean, it's been hyped since last year. Yeah, and it's finally arrived here in Asia. It's yet to be released in the U.S. Uh, U.S. has a Valentine's Day date apparently.
0: I know. So that's a strong counter uh, programming to Happy Death Day to you, which is coming out Valentine's Day as
1: well. Hmm. If I had to choose, <laughs> <laughs> well, both have equal amounts dismemberment, I guess yeah both include uh, <laughs> elements of rebirth and
0: a strong go. female
1: uh, lead i guess oh uh, yeah but uh it's the big release of february there's nothing else coming out we do have well um, there's how to train your dragon part 3 and the lego movie 2 that came out actually the week before which i think we should package into its own episode uh, an animation episode which would pr- probably what we have to do next week I guess. yeah probably i, I mean i've know. already seen one of them you've already seen which
0: one uh how to train your dragon part 3 is it good it's good really yeah. And it's I a, really love Part 2. It's a definite conclusion. It's definitely them saying no more, which I appreciate. And then
1: they're going to still do Toy Story 4 this year.
0: Yeah, because that's... Uh, Pixar haven't learned their lesson. Whereas I think uh, DreamWorks
1: has. Toy Story 3 ended perfectly with like the, the succession of another child taking over the toys. I know, right? So it's like, why do you need to do this again? I mean, Tom Hanks... Doesn't need the money, but I think Tim Helen does. Yeah. So um, before we go straight into the movie review in our main segment, I think uh, we need to to pay some homage to the source material. Yeah,
0: the manga that started it all, because I would say that it's one of those soft uh, inspirations where it's never directly referenced, but you can see a lot of stuff that came out today has
1: drawn its inspirations from something like this comic. I would agree with you there because it. I would say it's extremely influential, especially when it comes to the caliber of the people who are producing the live-action movie, Yeah, and they have expressed their direct uh, appreciation and influence, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there who probably think that, you know, like something like uh, Ganmu, uh, should we call it Ganmu or Alita? Let's just call it Alita. Let's
0: call it Alita for uh, For the sake of all sake,
1: yeah. our... Yeah, for the sake of convenience. No, but yes, uh, we, we know it's called Ganmu in Japan. You recently read the manga in research for this episode.
0: I have only read the first five and a half volume. Five and a half issues. Volumes of the first series.
1: Yeah. yeah Battle Angel Alita came out 92, 90, no, 91 actually. 91, wow. Uh, up to I think around 1995. Was probably. the first three. The first series. Yeah. And then like the second series was I think maybe early 2000s if, not, if I'm not mistaken. Because the thing is I kind of like... I would say I'm a huge fan, and uh, I loved uh, Battle Angel Alita when it came out because uh, I was introduced to it probably when the first. Uh, have you heard of Viz Media? Yes. So Viz Media actually did a lot of translations for a lot of uh, manga, and like for a guy like me, especially at that age, like in the early 90s, I was probably like you know early into high school. Wow. And then the thing <laughs> is like. As a young otaku myself, right? It's like, we had maybe like Gundam on TV. We had Macross on TV. And then like, there was more hardcore stuff. Yeah. So it's like, I was introduced to Akira around the same time. And that's pretty hardcore. That's pretty hardcore. That's probably one of the most epic and one of the most monumentally uh, important uh, anime mangas of all time. So it's like, my tastes for something a little bit more mature, a little bit more darker, a little bit more intellectual was kind of... Like around that time, and then that's around the time I was introduced to, uh, Gunmu or uh, Battle Angel Alita. Yeah. So it was the perfect time. The English translation, okay, only recently once I dis- I rediscovered the the books I've I, when I I picked up and learned Japanese and I read the actual Japanese. There's a few things lost in translation. Well, of course. I mean,
0: I mean, we could have a whole episode about the variation between Japanese culture and to put it kind of uh, reductively western culture like there's just so many things would be lost in translation because you have to unpack centuries of isolationist culture in how people speak to each other
1: but also at the same time uh, there's one thing that will definitely be brought up later when it comes to reviewing the film by uh, Robert Rodriguez yeah is how there is a definite westernization of a lot of themes yeah and character motivation
0: which I mean makes sense because if you just uh, did that a pure translation and left it as is I think there'd be so much which just wouldn't make sense to someone who doesn't grow up at least with a passing understanding of what hell is going on in Japan
1: I know and the thing is like the reason I brought it up is because there's definitely going to be a certain section of uh, people let's just call them fanboys meaboos mm-hmm. whatever who are going to be complaining about how it uh, the movie kind of lost some of the the meanings but I would also say like you do have producers you need to kind of yeah and yeah, make happy
0: and hey you know I'm gonna bring this up because I think it's required in my contract Lord of the Rings lost a lot of stuff when it was big into lost Tom yeah. a very essential and, character and you know what good because whilst I love Tom Bombardil we didn't need 45 minutes of some fat guy in the woods going Hoo, <laughs> that's, your, yeah, that's yeah.
1: my impression of Tom Bombardil there you go Yeah, that's a mighty fine idol wish you have there <laughs> I don't remember That's that. That's
0: halfling. Like. Please, he's halfling. Oh, no. Yeah. no, 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 no. It, he, he's something else. He's different. He's like, he's like the weird homebrew race in D anD D, which is far too powerful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, but if you can imagine, okay, we're tangent off again. But yep. imagine Lord of the Rings, which has all the Elvish in it. Yeah, yeah. Some things you shouldn't include, and I, I think we'll definitely have a, a conversation whether it is like, should we please the fans? please the producers or shall we just do the best at what we can?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a discussion we'll have with the the actual review. review, But I think let's just talk briefly about the manga. And I read as much as I could in about a week. So I would say I really like it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, aside from the fact that Alita is a very... She draws you in, the character, because she's the right mix of headstrong, naive, Mm -hmm. innocent, and stubborn. To where...
1: Oh, definitely stubborn.
0: Oh, she is so stubborn. Like, there definitely points me like, for fuck's sake, you could solve all of these problems by not being such a stubborn jackass. But she's just... She's being a girl? <laughs> or she's just being a young kid? I would say being a teenager, I think, more than being a girl.
1: like A young teenage girl.
0: Speaking of someone who was a teenager as nearly as eight years ago,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I want to ask you one thing. Um, does it translate well for you? Because I would say... Who would you equate in terms of, like, say, Western pop culture? Like, mm-hmm. who would be the, the Western equivalent for a character like Alita?
0: I don't know that a character like Alita necessarily exists. I think you could definitely see inspirations from different kinds of heroes. I definitely see a little bit of Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. in her, uh, in terms of, like, you know, the idealistic hero who takes a very hard physical lesson. <laughs> And oh, then yeah. rebuilds themselves, literally. Well, but the thing is, <laughs> move on.
1: Alita lost a lot more than just her hand.
0: Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I think a body count, literally, I think is like five or six bodies by now. Uh, if you include could- all the multiple motorbo- <laughs> uh,
1: accidents. They call them upgrades, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we need to also kind of point out she's a robot. Yeah, I mean. Or cyborg, what's the actual definition? Uh, cyborg. cyborg
0: cyborgs are humans that have uh, metal augmentation, whereas mm. robots are completely artificial intelligence because okay. she has a human brain. So, where does android
1: fit in? Because I know android is also has very specific. Because I know robot is any machine designed to do one specific I task. I think androids
0: forever. are meant to mimic humans. Okay, I think I mean, I'm not as so I don't So, not something right like
1: Westworld, ask. those are androids, not cyborgs, yes. right? Whereas, like something where you can actually see some of the machinations, you would call yeah, like, more of a technically
0: any amputee who has a robot hand nowadays is a cyborg okay. which is badass
1: <laughs> yes you know sure But so wait any prosthetic makes you a cyborg
0: te- if it's got a uh, moving motor part yeah oh uh, well like shit they have uh... my glasses
1: have hinges am I a cyborg <laughs> <laughs> hey come on now <laughs> <laughs> if they had motorized hinges
0: <laughs> Look, dude they have hands now which give haptic feedback
1: imagine getting jerked off by that harcer huh, uh, yeah. insert eccentric pom edging joke here
0: there we go <laughs> oh my god that's become my bit now. that's your
1: bit sir yeah anyway, but speaking I mean, of edging <laughs> edging a lot really
0: really bad segue. but what I was about to say
1: okay because I was about to mention I also kind of see the Powerpuff Girls a little bit in Alita yes definitely I would, that, that's what I want to bring up because the thing is right, the only western equivalent that comes to mind especially when it comes to big enemy eyes is the Powerpuff Girls yeah. where it's like uh like one professor type I don't know I don't know what you call that It's like not Frankenstein He's he's definitely like A father type yeah. And it's a cross between Like biological Slash foster father It's Because like The only other Like um, Similarity I can find In western I, mean, I don't even say western It's like non-Asian uh, be Geppetto be Geppetto And Pin- Pinocchio Where yeah. he builds his own child And then like To me the Powerpuff Girls Is like And like To an extent uh, a little Battle Angel It's about this man who seeks the companionship of a child. Okay, but instead of making like, you know, a small version of him, a la Pinocchio, yeah. Makes, you know, a little girl, which like I would say one I'm, I'm kinda of fearful of is because the manga actually kinda of deals with a lot of these issues.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know if that's a translation issue or if that was present in the... It's a little bit of both
1: because, like, when you go further and deeper into the manga, you've only reached uh, book six out of the first series, Book six, yeah. It gets a lot weirder much later because there's times when Alita is, like, separated from uh, Dr. Ido. Yeah. And then she has even weirder dreams. Oh. So I'm not going to spoil it because the thing is, right, it definitely cements a lot of... uh, I would say, like, the author's intentions, but also at the same time, it is a very strong character study about, yeah. like, you know, the the bonds between daughters and fathers. Which, okay, I would say, you know, I'm glad they didn't remove it from the film. Yeah, and I think... It became something that was more of a... It came more into focus, especially with a, an, another edition that we'll, we'll talk about later in the review. Of
0: course, yeah. And I think, obviously, I think... It's a bit more free to be discussed within manga than it would be in in uh, US comics.
1: Definitely in a a grown-up manga.
0: Yeah, because I feel like there's maybe a little bit more maturity when it comes to discussing with these kinds of um, Mm -hmm. relationships in Japan. But
1: I will say this also, like because one of the tropes of basically the badass female heroine is daddy issues, which I find very annoying. Yeah, it's like... Because why can't we have a badass female character and she's totally having a perfect loving relationship with her father?
0: Yeah, I mean I mean to a certain point Leia had that until uh the <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. got <Orgonical laughs> blown up.
1: <laughs> Loving indeed. You do know that the the, the only time they were reunited in episode four was after he murdered all those people in the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> to get the plans for the Death Star is like <laughs> Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the foster father nice not choice
1: of reference sir. <laughs> I'm
0: talking about the foster father not oh, the real father of course
1: father. yeah Mister who, who got blown up on Elderon, that guy yeah Mr. Something Jimmy organa. Smith yeah. <laughs> that organa sure <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh, I would also say Big Daddy and Hit Girl and Kickass. ass yeah where, well, which is actually also kind of referencing more towards like uh, Batman and Stephanie Meyer the female Robin mm-hmm or I can't remember. There was one more uh, female Robin, but Oracle. No, that's Batgirl. Yeah. Oh. Okay. There's been two female Robins. Uh, one is I think it's Kelly something because in the Dark Knight Returns, the the Frank Miller book, right? Uh, the final Robin is a girl.
0: Oh yeah yeah oh god I can't remember her name.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a K, a Kelly something. But I mean, it's, it's, there was also another one. Uh, but I would say it's like it's nice to see. Like, this is something that's extremely Japanese because if you watch a lot of, say, Japanese like early, um, like, revenge films, right, or whatever, they have amazing relationships with their fathers. It's the fathers who train them to be killers, to be efficient, to be, not say, heartless or cruel. I mean, this is my hot
0: take which is based on nothing but wild assumptions. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there's an assumption in the West that women don't go out to become kick-ass warriors unless they have a bad relationship
1: with their parents. Which is a trope I find annoying.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like Assuming that, oh, women can only have agency if something's been terribly done to them. It's like, why can't And they... it has to be a man because yeah. that spurs them on. Like, why can't I just be, I'm bored. I want to go be badass warrior.
1: Like Battle Angel Alita. Yeah. I'm bored. I just want to be a badass warrior. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, when you read the manga and um, you have to volume six right now, yeah. right? So do you think it still works? Does it like age well? there's definitely
0: certain references like there's a part in uh, the first book where she gets the berserker body a bit too early actually yeah but you know Uh, yeah yeah, but no when he says at least you wouldn't have to worry about getting fat it's like yeah this is definitely something that wouldn't
1: fly in today's day and age did body shaming become a thing very recently Uh, because I can't remember any other time I
0: think in the last few years people have definitely become more sensitive about it not sensitive in a negative sense but more like Aware that you know,
1: but definitely in the West because here in Asia we still body shame. Oh, for sure. No, I've (laughs) I've met plenty of Asian aunties, (laughs) and your mother-in-law. Oh, for sure. (laughs) What's that like, sir?
0: Even my colleagues. Like, I've had a a Chinese colleague. Like, oh, you're getting fat. I was like, do I know you? (laughs) But I think for the most part it still works. I mean, obviously there's some language issues but again that's just an issue of translation could be retranslated to be a mm. bit less because you read, I, don't know, I, I think you read the
1: viz media translations
0: probably the ones you sent me so that yeah viz i think viz the most
1: e- i mean it's i don't want to recommend you go out there and find the illegal fan uh translations even though those are usually the best ones yeah but then again i'm pretty sure that i mean crunchyroll does the short manga do they? Do they? No, I think they just do anime. They just do anime. I'm thinking of another website, but I do know that there is a website which uh, allows you to, like, you know, download issues of uh, manga, which, which has some of the best translators around. Yeah. Name is KFC. Uh, I'm but, sure
0: you remember just when we finished recording the episode.
1: oh uh, there's a the problem with this. There'll be a link in the description below. <laughs> no, no How mean. about that? But, okay, let's also kind of talk about the, the themes of uh, Battle Angel Alita before we go f- straight out into the review. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of things that... Uh, like you know, Kishiro san wanted to tackle uh, the most obvious one would definitely be classism. Which I mean, is...
0: this is a Taylor's as oldest as time, and I think yeah. it's one of those ones that everyone could get behind, regardless of cultural background.
1: Yeah, there's something very timeless about you know, lower classes versus upper class. Yeah, like, I mean, how society looks at you see
0: you everywhere in Europe, we had feudalism, which definitely uh, fueled our concept of class warfare. Mm-hmm. Then you have the American virtue, which is definitely like money related.
1: Yeah, it's more capitalism yeah. versus... Yeah, and then... It's th- corporate greed versus the common... Yeah, mind.
0: and Japan is a weird blend between the two, because it's mm-hmm. definitely, like, the the capitalist, consumerist element, but there's also, I think, a little bit of feudalism mixed in in how it's portrayed here.
1: Well, definitely, because
0: a lot because, of... Because, like, you're born here, you're gonna die here, there's no way to mm-hmm. make it to the top
1: not only just that because if you also look at like the history of uh, Japanese media like say even Japanese films or manga from the 60s or the 50s right Mm. and a lot of them are kind of uh, I say based around like you know feudal Japan era yeah you know like you know warlord like the shogun culture versus like you know the common man and how like the samurai kind of uh straddles the line between you know being working for the upper class but also being a person from the lower class yeah so like you know classism is something that is very prevalent especially a lot of Japanese uh, media because you have to understand that 90% of the people who read the mangas are lower to middle class I can believe that and like it's always nice to have this kind of underdog story to read Because I mean like even say in hip hop culture we always root for the guy who came straight from the underground and made it to the top. Yeah,
0: I mean there's an element of legitimacy. I we don't take rappers who came from an affluent background seriously. Yeah, there's something about that. Drake is the first one to where we don't care that he came from a wealthy background.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Although we did call him out when he said started from the bottom, now we're here. What? From the grassy?
1: The grassy is the bottom, sir. Well it, it didn't quite you know Dawson's Creek.
0: Yeah, I mean and he also had to get up of that wheelchair which is closer to the bottom.
1: <laughs> you made that joke, not me. Yep. Is he a cyborg? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> nope, but somebody if else... the wheels are me. electrified <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> anyway, but also like um in essence I would say Gunmo, Battle Angel, Alita. Is a story about a woman A young woman's journey of self-discovery For sure Which is something that also Kind of got translated Very well in the the film Which we will review very quickly Very soon Uh, I mean what are your thoughts I mean did you kind of See her grow as a character Or did you find anything Of interest During her journey
0: I think I mean apart from the waypoint Where she becomes a musician In the fifth volume Mm -hmm. I think her uh, arc was Quite a believable one Yeah 'Cause she starts out as literally the fallen angel. She her body is found in the scrap heap that fell down from Teferis, which is what it's called in the What's Langer? it called
1: again in the movie? Zalman or something. Safan or Zaffan. Some, Zaffan. Yeah. some
0: bullshit. <laughs> but she starts out kind of innocent and pure and naive. And then she becomes more and more hardened to the outside world. Yeah. And to their part in book six where she's like, I'm gonna leave you behind because People literally die around me, so I'm not even going to bother trying to care about you anymore. Yeah. And then she doesn't learn that um. story.
1: But I would say, like, yeah, there's also some... I mean, it's a very strong nihilistic tone when it comes to the original graphic novel because I would say, like, what the manga does perfectly is kind of... um, Show us what a true dystopia looks like, where people literally step and eat each other. Yeah. Just to survive and get by.
0: And there's also the elements of when you rob someone of their past and their stories, yeah. you, know, you literally devolve as people, regardless of how technologically advanced the world is.
1: Which I also appreciate because, uh, basically, one of the things I loved about the manga and why I think it's one of the best mangas of all time is that it's so timeless because it's the story about a person it's about perception really it's about Mm. your inner naivety and having to deal with the harsh reality of the world around you Yeah, and it's about like you having to adapt because I mean uh, the writer Yukito Kishiro like I think he has this personal motto where it's basically you should just do your best and leave the rest to providence and there's something very bittersweet but also at the same time very true about like you can't really control your destiny but also at the same time you should not give in to the forces that do.
0: It's kind of saying that there is a liberation in determinism mm-hmm. because it's saying if what's going to happen to you is predetermined, then it doesn't fucking matter what you do. So you might as well go nuts and enjoy the ride towards your predetermined destination.
1: Which also like ties in very closely with a lot of the moral ambiguity of the manga. Which yeah, I, I mean, think is kind of lost in the movie. More on that in the review later. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it's because they they definitely highlight a particular line that she says in the manga which I think she only mentions once or twice but becomes her big motif in Mm. the movie but we'll again talk about it in the
1: movie (laughs) I love this teasing that we're doing (laughs) trust us do we like the movie Hmm. we'll see we'll see (laughs) we'll let you know very soon but also another thing is like why I mentioned also like you know like samurai stories and stuff is because there's also something that's very inherently Japanese about uh, Battle Angel Alita is because it does uh, kind of, you know, dissect the tropes and like, you know, uh, like the the mythos of the hero culture. Mm-hmm. Like, about her Specifically to being the
0: samurai hero culture. Yeah,
1: like where it's like whether the things you do, does it determine you as an individual? And who who decides what's immoral or dishonorable? Which is something uniquely Japanese. Because it's
0: definitely not the Hero of Thousand Faces. Yeah,
1: definitely, because it's like I mean, uh, Battle Angel Alita is like because of the harshness of her world, and especially if you read the manga and just how dystopian and how like uh, it's just a, a world broken apart. It's nothing but people's broken dreams, and how everybody has just probably uh, denigrated to the to the the lowest forms of like you know civilization, where yeah. it's literally like we, people are selling body parts just to like make do well shit
0: people are jacking spinal columns there you
1: go I mean that is some next level gnarly shit yeah and also at the same time it's like she still decides to find hope within all of this and she still leads the so called the honorable path even though there are times when she is tested and she had no choice but to choose maybe you know the the darker route
0: yeah I mean it's it's kind of like the flirtation on the dark side in Star Wars it's like it's there and there are moments where you're worried that They'll dip into it, but at mm. the last minute they will pull back and say, "No, this is not who I am." And it's a reaffirmation of what
1: their personal code is. Because I personally like those kind of stories because I like to think about like how, like say something like the Matrix, where you you are the chosen one, but you still need to prove yourself. Yeah. And also at the same time, like oh, you're destined to be the hero. And like those stories kind of bore me a lot. But it's because if you are the chosen one, then it's just like everything falls into place. Yeah. Whereas.
0: If you got there because of hard work and because you wanted to choose to be be the chosen one, it's far more interesting because, like, why do you want to be here?
1: Mm -hmm. Because it's like, that's why I like Star Wars so much. It's like Luke isn't really the chosen one, they make him so later. He. Because the thing is, to speed the story along, he does realize that, oh, he is the son of a great Jedi. Yeah. And it's inherent within him. He just needs to work at it. Which is why Return of
0: Jedi is the weakest of the original trilogy.
1: Yeah, there you go. When he finally, you know, becomes a Jedi after, like, two weeks with a Muppet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, that's what it feels like. Oh, man. But, uh, okay, so... Do you want to talk about the OVA?
0: Um, I mean, we can mention it briefly. I haven't seen it, so there's only so, so like much the only reason
1: say. for me to mention the OVA is because like for fans of the manga and who did seek out the OVA. Uh, okay, wait. For all the you King listeners out there, OVA means original video animation. So it's a direct to video uh interpretation. So it's not serialized or syndicated on TV like say at Naruto. It's
0: kind of just a standalone thing. Which it's a standalone thing, which.
1: Uh, has good and bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, so bad is it doesn't have quite the production budget of, say, a TV show. Yeah. But you can get away with more things because you're not bound to certain censorship laws.
0: For example, the OVAs of Attack on Titan are even bloodier and disgusting.
1: Because you can get away with a lot more gratuitous violence. Oh, for sure. And also, do you want to mention the violence in the manga? Because it's like, it is right there.
0: Oh, yeah. No, uh, Alita, the manga is... Within the first three pages of the first volume, you see a woman get splattered, and then someone's brain get licked up.
1: Yep. Well, also, like, and those
0: are two separate things that happen.
1: But like, do you think there's a certain kind of desensitization that is at play here? Like, I think would you recommend this to our audiences? I would, um, because but you have to, you have to have a certain maturity. I
0: think yeah, it's kind of gruesome, but because it's hyper stylized, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no one who looks like a human
1: in. Yeah. Uh, battle angel alita everybody's been upgraded yeah. or been mutated to the point of yeah
0: even uh ito who is a full awful human he has such a comic book uh image <laughs> where it's that's like his design, sir, Yeah, man. it's just design but it's like he's very clearly a cartoon rather than like an actual like in mm-hmm. the flesh proportional human so when gruesome shit happens you're kind of like oh that's gross like, oh that's sad but not like oh my god this is terrifying it's not like it's so like watching Saw, for example. Yeah, I guess we see look, a real human's brain. Like for me,
1: I think like especially when it comes to uh, Doctor Ido's design in the manga, it's like I think they really wanted to draw a very distinct line between the people who are from the Scrapheap and people who are from Teferis. Yeah, because Ido is from Teferis. He
0: definitely has a more
1: clean white look. <laughs> I would say like he's he's somebody who's who's experienced a bit of culture. <laughs> mm, yeah, he's probably seen a book or two. Yeah. But then again, you do have bad guys quoting Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you react to that?
0: I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. of course you're fucking quoting Nietzsche and the As As you
1: eat this person's brain. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's the kind of thing where I kind of want to travel back in time and meet Nietzsche and say, hey, this is what people think of your work in the future. My <laughs> God!
1: <laughs> I shall be rich! <laughs> but I shall also be dead. Nietzsche is dead. <laughs> but also at the same time, um, like the OVA. It summarizes so many things and like there are certain flaws with it because it does have to readjust like certain character developments, certain plot points. I mean, it like,
0: has to fit something like half an hour per 2, episode. 2,000 pages into two volume two, Which episodes. is impossible yeah.
1: because it's like, um, if you do like movie script to like minutes ratio, it's like one page is 90 minutes. Yeah. So imagine, even though it's all pictures mostly, right? There's a lot for you to condense, which is uh, something also we will bring up when it comes to reviewing the film. Yeah. Because the film, I would say, borrows very heavily from the framework that was set up in the OVA. For sure. It's not note for note, but also at the same time, I would say that the OVA that, uh, that came out, seek it out if you're curious, but I would rather you watch the film first. Yeah. I would say that. And also, at the same time, like, if you really want to dive into uh, Battle Angel Alita, like, okay, this, definitely, after you made up your mind about our review, and you go and see the films for yourselves, right, if you want to know more, we would definitely recommend the first uh, series of the manga. I mean, definitely the first four, because that's what the movie is. But also, like, see her grow. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but also, at the same time... Um, there's very little source material because it's basically the manga. This one OVA. There's been like another animation that came out that's just like specifically for the video game. Oh? Uh, there was a video game? I think there was a video game. Oh god. And also, um, I think that's about it because I think the the creator, Mr kishiro Kishiro-san, I think he's very protective of this work. Well I mean I would be too Because he wasn't really that involved with the OVA because he was so busy putting the manga out. Mm -hmm. So like when the OVA did come out, like, I mean, I'm not too sure about it. I mean, I'm just speculating at this point, but he was kind of not happy with it. I mean, I wouldn't be either. I mean, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a bad OVA from the bits that I've seen,
0: Mm -hmm. but I could definitely just get a feeling of like, not a lot of love was put into this.
1: I wouldn't even say that because the thing is like it was like, animation-wise is spectacular because it's done by Madhouse mm. okay, who who gave us everything
0: <laughs> yeah but I mean Madhouse can shut this kind of thing out in their sleep if they wanted to
1: yeah but not in the 90s straight this is still hand-drawn shit <laughs> think about it this is cell animation this is before computers was a thing
0: and that certainly explains a lot of
1: very still frames. <laughs> That's still being used till this day. Yep. It's a style. No, it's budget. <laughs> but also at the same time, I also want to mention like the OVA. I mean, you can definitely find it on YouTube somewhere. I'm not going to give a link to that. But, you know, uh, if you can find the, not the dub version, because I still have my gripes with the dub version because I'm not, I don't like how they like the Western voices always sound a bit too weird. The thing uh, is, they, too only, shrill.
0: they only started getting good uh, English dubbing in the last five or six years. I agree. I think it's definitely around Attack on Titan and uh, I think Dragon Ball when it realized, oh, white people no. love
1: this shit. <laughs> Let's make sure we get some good voices. I don't know, but, but Dragon Ball still sounds goofy as fucking English, too. Uh
0: The more recent stuff sounds better. Like especially you dub- seen Super? You like it? Mm,
1: I... I watched it when I was younger for. No, I mean, the, the new season. No,
0: I haven't. Are I haven't? I,
1: I don't care for Dragon Ball. <gasps> no, he still loves anime, boys and girls. Please. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: I like good anime.
1: <laughs> but Dragon Ball's a classic that has just been rediscovered by the West. Oh, pish with that. <laughs> Still better than Bleach though. Anyway. Man, um, yeah well. So, shall we go straight into the review? Maybe a little bit of backstory into the pre-production. You want to talk about the director yeah, or, I mean, or the producer?
0: Yeah, let, let's tease it just a little
1: bit longer. A little bit longer? Yeah, we got time. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Obviously, coming in... When I first saw the the first trailer for this, I was like, what is this? Because the first trailer told us nothing. Mm. And I was like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. Then I saw... James Cameron. Oh? Robert Rodriguez.
1: Oh! Okay, that was your reaction?
0: Yeah. And maybe we should explain why those two names pick our interests?
1: I mean, like, everybody knows James Cameron from his works in Avatar, Terminator. If you
0: don't know why James Cameron is something to be interested in, you don't belong here. You obviously don't (laughs) like
1: film. Well, yeah. I mean, I would say when I saw the trailer... My initial reaction... And the thing is... I'm a fanboy. I love this manga to death, right? Is... Don't fuck this up. Yeah. That was my first reaction. Because... For me... A lot of times... Whenever I see a western adaptation of... Like something Japanese... Whether it be manga or film...
0: It tends to be kind
1: of... 90% of the time it's garbage. Yeah. You know? But also... At the same time... Every once in a while... They do pull off something amazing.
0: Yeah. The last time we had a good thing was... uh, Edge of Tomorrow.
1: Edge of Tomorrow is definitely one of the best things. So... Like... But... Similar to you, when I saw the names James Cameron. And I did know that James Cameron was a huge fan of the manga and he bought the rights way back in 1999. Yeah, I know, right? And the thing is, he's been waiting forever to put this movie together, but he just didn't have the technology. He had to develop avatar technology before he could even... You know-
0: yeah, I mean, if you want someone to do something as spectacular as Alita, get the guy who literally created a new camera
1: <laughs> for one movie get the guy who was the first to break 2 billion at the box office yeah twice he did it back to back yeah the guy Titanic then Avatar
0: who built a full rig for Titanic and then just copy copy that <laughs> over in a computer afterwards because he didn't want to build the other half
1: <sighs> genius I mean but the thing is like if you like look at all the documentaries like the behind the scenes stuff of all his films like even from Terminator up to like even in Aliens right like the man has just a way of solving problems
0: for sure and I mean how I think they- it's
1: basically it stems from his background in VFX first before he became a full-on yeah, director yeah and
0: You could definitely see it from as far back as Terminator where they have that scene where Arnie is pulling apart the stuff in his face and it looks like he's actually pulling apart. That was just very clever camera work with a fake mirror and a body double.
1: That's Terminator 2.
0: No, the first Terminator where he's uh, pulling off parts of his face. Yeah, but not in Terminator 1.
1: Oh, him and the body. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. And then they did it in Terminator 2 again Yeah. with uh, Linda Hamilton's sister in the mirror, which will blow your mind. You know what blew my mind? what was in aliens how they got the facehugger to jump onto a like sigourney weaver character ripley so realistically how was is like because they, it's literally just a rubber puppet mm-hmm. so what they did was they put it on her face uh, on her first and then they pulled it away and then they, they filmed it backwards oh that's brilliant and then they played it forward. so when it jumps at her it looks so like it is it's like how did they make that puppet jump and land perfectly So it's like things like that just like you need a guy like James Cameron who looks at like okay how do we accomplish this and I think that's one thing I was very hopeful for because when you announce something like Battle Angel like Alita it's like you need somebody who not only loves the source material but can figure out how to do it and and do it in a way that's spectacular.
0: Someone who has the VFX chops behind the passion.
1: Yeah and also at the same time this guy's been pushing technology since Terminator 2. I mean like that movie fucking still holds up. Yeah. The T-1000 still looks seamless.
0: Yeah, even the weird transition parts where he turns into silver.
1: Yeah. It
0: doesn't look... Well, I mean, it doesn't look perfect, but it looks much better than mid two thousand CGI even.
1: Exactly, and you can forgive, forgive it for being of its time. Because there's something about the way it just like... Especially that scene in the foundry where the lava just bounces off the metal. Yeah. And you like think like, this was made on technology... Far weaker than what's available in my phone. Yeah, I mean, sure, even think about it. Even the way the shadows play
0: are yeah. pretty well done.
1: I think also at the same time, like, if I remember when I did the research, it's like... uh that was made on, like, thousands of, like, you know, first-generation Macs. Jesus. You know, with, like, the first version of whatever software it is they were using by then. I'm pretty sure it wasn't After Effects or anything that you, you kids nowadays can download. You know, yeah, it, it mean, definitely isn't 3D studio cinema or 3D cinema. Like,
0: Jesus Christ, when the first Toy Story came out, they had to make people blink one at a time because it was too much processing power to make people blink <laughs> both eyes. And now there's a software that does uh, motion tracking for the mouth for you.
1: Yeah, which you can get on Steam. Yeah. What's it called again? I can't remember. I can't remember either. So, like, okay, we don't really need to mention too much about James Cameron or, for that matter, Robert Rodriguez. Because Robert Rodriguez is also very famous for being a director of Many Hats. He's, like, literally... The what? one man film crew. The one man film crew because he can do a uh, camera operator, he can direct, he can DOP. He even composes the soundtracks for some of his movies. Yeah. Like I mean, he wrote the song for like you know, Desperado and El Mariachi.
0: Yeah, I mean El Mariachi is still to this day, I think one of the one of most th-
1: successful movies of all time. Made two million dollars of a seven thousand dollar budget.
0: Yeah, and it's just <laughs> I think it is probably every uh film student's worst nightmare. Because it's the
1: unattainable high. It's that guy who like, oh, this asshole. (laughs) Made us all look terrible. But hey, to be fair, it was much easier to get into Mexico in those days. Maybe. And Probably if you had seven, like imagine 7,000 US dollars stretched in Mexico.
0: Ooh, that's like (laughs) 7 billion pesos. (laughs) (laughs) And only half of it went to paying off the cartel Uh, to leave him alone. After inflation. Let's just also
1: add that in. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But so okay, we have Robert Rodriguez, who has adapted uh you know comic books to films like he did Sin City
0: and Sin City Two, which was terrible.
1: Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that because it came at that weird time after this his divorce where he's kind of lost his mojo. Well, he got stuck in doing telenovelas instead. Like that's still what he does now most of the time. But no, he also is maintaining his own cable channel. Yeah, the El Rey Network, which. You know what? Hey, shit, if that makes you money, go for it. No, I totally respect the LRA network because that is the only cable station channel that shows actual Hong Kong kung fu cinema from the 70s. You can't get it in Asia. Jesus. Like, where else are you going to see, like, you know, like every movie that influenced the Wu-Tang Clan is on that network. <laughs> so it's like, I, I'm Asian and I can't get those movies. It's like, really? Oh, man. The 8 Diagrams is available on the LRA network? God, bring it here. Uh, But anyway, uh, I mean, I'm a fan of all of his movies, even the Goofy Spy Kids movies, I think, like, because he designed those Mm -hmm. specifically, because he he felt like, okay, he's making movies for him. For sure. Then he became a dad. And he's like, I don't, I can't, I don't have any movies I can show my kids. So I'm going to. So I'm just going to make movies for my kids. I'm going to make four very
0: successful kids movies.
1: Yeah. Which I would say, you know what? No, thank you for Spy Kids 1, 2 and 3D, because that, yeah. that's him testing 3D technology. And also for Shark Boy and Lava Girl for giving us Taylor Lautner. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, hey. Who, who knew? <laughs> who knew what he would become? <laughs> A member of the Ridiculous Six. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> Do you remember that one time they tried to make him an action hero?
1: No. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Really, no. <laughs> I wonder what happened with that, you know? See? Uh, it sucks, right, to have like somebody like Robert Rodriguez as a director on your resume. And what did you do? What was the last thing you did? I was on an Adam Sandler comedy. Nobody liked it. People well, called it racist. <laughs> to be fair,
0: almost no one survived the uh, Twilight Saga.
1: Well, I think Robert Pattinson is kind of doing alright. Well,
0: well, he's now making small indie movies. What about the Kirsten Stewart again? Uh, she's also doing small indie movies.
1: That's where they belong.
0: Yeah, and also I think she's doing directing stuff now. Really yeah fascinating no, i i really like christian stewart she is a actually a fantastic actor when she believes in the source material same as robert patterson i guess patterson as well those two definite i mean i feel bad for him because he was in one giant juggernauts harry potter and then went to like, oh this will be the next big thing oh it's shit material and the director's
1: a hack yeah but also the same thing i mean like it's also the same feeling i have for hayden Christensen. Because it's like you're gonna be Darth Vader in Star Wars, and like think of the pressure of that. Yeah. Because it, it, like for a young actor like that, and it's like you, it's like the pressure is on for you to make sure that this is a hit. You gotta pull this off.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least he was old enough to survive it, as opposed to Jake Lloyd, who,
1: Oh, poor thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Jake. Let's not get too depressed. Let's not get too depressed. Okay. Speaking of depressing, okay, shall we go straight into the, the yeah, review? Yeah, I think
0: we've uh, held off long enough. Uh, so I think we've teased people enough. Did we like this movie? I fucking love this. It was so much fun. It was
1: sensational. As a fanboy, as uh, somebody who adored the manga and was really hoping for this, because I went into this with super high expectations. Yeah. And the thing is, like, even the slightest thing that annoyed me would have probably given like this a bad review, but I, uh, I'm not saying that the movie is flawless, but also at the same it's time... It's got
0: plenty of issues.
1: It's got issues and it's made some uh, very distinct... Uh, choices with uh, like changing certain plot points and certain character motivations but overall like I was just happy that they finally pulled it off and they took the time yeah Yeah. I
0: mean there are two main reasons why I think it worked first is the action is spectacular yeah yeah, I agree I mean especially the multiple sequences oh my god yeah I mean this makes the very sequence from Ready Player One look kind of Past his prime.
1: I would say that the Ready Player One felt like a race, whereas the the more ball sequences that was a bit a very visceral, very. It
0: felt like Gladiator on skates.
1: Yeah, which like I mean, there's been several rollerball movies.
0: I mean, there was Death Race, two thousand, whatever the fuck it was called.
1: Yeah, but also oh, <laughs> that is Roger Corman territory, and it was really okay. But <laughs> let's not go there. But I would say like um, action sequences fucking amazing. Uh, I mean set design Jesus just Christ just the world they built so I mean there's gonna be a lot of otaku out there who's gonna be complaining that it's kinda lost it's dark dystopian edge and, and they replaced to it that
0: with- I would say you have every other movie that has been released in the last 10 years if yep. you want dystopian future I like the fact that there are people smiling in the
1: future yeah just cause you're poor doesn't mean you have to be desolate
0: exactly and also I like that there's this nice little latinx feel to everything mm. I mean Obviously, Rodriguez was going to show a little bit of love for Mexico.
1: He has to. He has, he's always showing love for Mexico.
0: Yeah, but it's just, it added just enough of that tint to make you go, this is a world I will immediately recognize. Like, now when I remember the movie, I will remember this is what the world is like as opposed to where I sometimes have a hard time distinguishing Altered Carbon, Blade Runner, and Fifth Element yeah, in my mind. I know, I know
1: what you're talking about because, like, we've had enough of the dark, gritty, dystopian, like, future. And the thing is, like, I think that's the problem with like, Battle Angel coming out now, it because it's on the back end of like even though it's one of the first ones to probably depict it in a manga because like the only thing I can think of before then was probably like Blade Runner. Yeah, I and mean, Akira came out before as well. Akira, yeah, and Akira too. But Akira was basically I mean, like when you see Akira, it does look like you know any cosmopolitan city. Yeah. Whereas like. I think one thing I, why I brought up the setting is because certain uh, aspects of the tonality from the manga is kind of lost. Yeah. Because you don't get the cannibals, you don't get the mutants anymore, but you yeah. do get kind of a more vibrant, more livable city as opposed to like the very, like, you know, mean spirited, nihilistic, uh, yeah. gritty kind of.
0: And like- it makes more set. sense to have a happy curious alita running around in something where it feels almost inviting yeah i agree although i feel like if you are a xenophobe you would be looking at all these colorful people speaking languages going
1: oh no this is the worst thing imaginable <laughs> <laughs> but also at the same time um like this is something that will definitely be i would not say it's a flaw but i would say it kind of affects like the outcome of the movie in a little bit for sure yeah and it's something that I can forgive because like, there's also a part of it that I feel is like artistic license on the part of Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, and I think this is something we've discussed before where if you are going to adapt something from another source material, you do need to make it your own. You It can't just be a translation service. It needs to be, this is something that's inspiring me to create something on top of this. Because if you're just doing a like-for-like translation, you might as well just stick with the original material.
1: Which is like I mean, people also bring up stuff like Sin City, which is kind of you know literally frame to film frame, or even something like uh, Watchmen, which is like you know it very it close it follows the the comic book very the graphic novel very closely. But I kind of agree with you like when it comes to adaptations, right? There has to be a very fine line between. Uh, adaptation and paying tribute to the source material absolutely and making it your own and interesting for like you know just because you need to like you know kind of validate yourself as a creative yeah person which brings
0: so. me to the second point have we finally got there of why this movie works they chose a fantastic person to play Alita
1: yeah she nailed it Rosa, she
0: Rosa Salazar you are hats off to you that was an amazing performance the, the, did it bother you that it's not her face though no, well, I mean I've seen pictures of her afterwards and yeah. it, it there's definitely you, you, can, it, right? you can see it because it was mm-hmm. But because they deliberately chose to keep her big eyes. By the way, side note, everyone who's complaining about the eyes, fuck off. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the eyes. The eyes are fine. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a cyborg. She's allowed to have disproportionate
1: features. Also because Robert Rodriguez really wanted to maintain the Alita look, like yeah. that very because you have to understand like this is probably early introduction like manga to these guys. Yeah. same with me because it's like at that point in time like for me I'm very accustomed to the Japanese design of like uh, the big eyes like in anime the crazy hair you know crazy color hair and everything like to me that's normal yeah because I'm kind of like you know I've been accustomed to it growing up whereas like I understand like in the West that that's something that will constantly be brought up and it's still being brought up right now yeah I, I think it's just
0: because people don't like CGI in the West so? Yeah, because there's definitely like a big pushback against relying on uh, CGI for VFX.
1: Do you think it's also maybe something to do with how Western audiences are very sensitive to uncanny valley? Yeah, because I think for me, right, there's sometimes like say when I watch Transformers movie, it's like I know it's CGI, but I still allow myself to suspend disbelief enough to believe that what's happening on screen is you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, the closest we had to kind of feeling realistic was District Nine. District Nine
1: still holds up it still yeah. looks good so I would say that do you think this matches District 9 in terms of you know kind of uh, you know navigating or traversing the uncanny valley I would say it surpasses
0: it you say so I think so because I mean apart from maybe like the way the faces floated on some of the multiple runners mm-hmm. like there's every kind of like mm, I don't know about this but then it's nitpicking yeah that that's really nitpicking because never at one point was I taken out of this movie I agree like, even the most outlandish sequences, especially with the uh, the weird fingers that uh, Makaku has, mm-hmm. I I was fully on board for that shit. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, Zapan's weird little uh, metal goatee.
1: <laughs> it's like the ultimate douchebag. <laughs> how, thing How weird would that be if that was act- that was the only practical effect? That was some, literally <laughs> something that glued it on onto it. Him.
0: No, not glued. Nailed it. Nailed it onto him.
1: Oh, it's great. You, you thought you had a crew. <laughs> No, he, he's got such a deep cleft chin they just like just slotted it yeah. in, right? No, but also, I mean um, at the same time I also want to say like the, the CGI is spectacular, sir. I mean oh my god. Did you watch this in 3D? Absolutely.
0: And it was oh. worth the $45 I spent for me and my wife to go see it. Uh, $45. Yeah. You, how much is a 3D ticket for you? $22.5. Oh, you saw it at Lido.
1: Yeah, of course. IMAX. Yeah, okay. if,
0: if you're going to go see it in 3D it has to be IMAX.
1: Yeah, I saw it in IMAX too. Editing oh. is right I hate going uh, to the 3D movies yeah. because it's such a strain on me. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like... Because the thing is, for me, when I watch a 3D movie, I always have problems focusing with my periphery. Well, it's
0: because you wear glasses as
1: well. Yeah, but I wear contacts. Oh. When I work, put on the 3D glasses. Okay. But it's a, it's a, something that didn't bother me at Avatar because you can tell that this was a guy who filmed it in 3D as opposed to every movie after that where basically was- we need to up it to 3D.
0: Yeah, where they use a conversion engine. Where sometimes, like, okay, that's meant to be background, not foreground. Yeah,
1: then you get these kind of weird blurry effects that happen at, like, your periphery vision, right? Yeah, looking at you at, uh, Attack of the Titans. Yeah, and then also at the same time, um, I would say you need somebody with the kind of uh, visionary skill as, like, a Robert Rodriguez or a James Cameron to allow the camera to kind of really take its time so that your eyes can focus on the things that are, of, like, you know, points of interest rather yeah. than, like, what's this huge... What's all these things pointing and jutting out at It's me?
0: definitely nothing very in-your-face. It's none of that yeah. cheap, oh, look, it's a 3D movie, I'm throwing something at
1: you. Yeah, exactly. Because I think the best thing about good 3D movies, right, is it's all about parallax. Yeah. It's all about defining foreground, background, middle ground as opposed to, like, hey... Check it out! Isn't this cool? Like constantly throwing shit at you, and I would say like this is probably one of the most subtle and one of the most spectacular uses of 3D for sure in a long while because it doesn't feel like a gimmick. Yeah, it it's definitely
0: a film which is confident in the, the technology that's being used because the guy who invented
1: it produced it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not
0: you know someone who's playing around with it for the first going. Oh look, at my nice new toys! I want to show you all my exactly, nice new toys. Exactly, exactly. It's coming, kind of going.
1: I know how to do this. Mm. And the thing is, like, yeah, the pedigree is right there because Rodriguez and also Cameron both have 3D movies under their belts. That did very well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just on a a visual note, it's brilliant. Also, pacing-wise, this film did not feel like two and a bit hours.
1: Exactly, yeah. I I had the exact same feeling because when the movie ended, and the thing is, I knew where it was going to end. Yeah. And in my head, it felt like an hour. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's... Maybe because I'm also aware of the OVA. Mm-hmm. Because it ends on pretty much the same note as the OVA. Okay, by the way, because we love this movie so much, zero spoilers. Yeah. We're not going to spoil anything. We want people to watch Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So, uh, but it ends on the same note as the OVA. And the OVA felt like an hour to me. So when I watched this entire thing, right? Even the motorball sequences, which like for some people... Okay, you always need your action beat, right? Yeah. Like I wanted them to go on longer. Yeah, I... Every action sequence, I wanted to go on longer. I would
0: have been happy if the last hour and a half of the movie was just the multiple race. Because it was just the right level of brutal and spectacular. And and fun. It was
1: fun to watch.
0: And they did what good action movies do, where you have a good 10 minutes of solid action. Then you break away to something a bit calmer, so you have a chance to take a breath, breathe in. Back into the action.
1: I think that's also one thing I love about James Cameron. that amongst a lot of directors, right, he not only has a good sense of pacing, because you have to understand, like, you know, Titanic was two and a half hours long. Yeah. I didn't feel it at all. There's just something about his ability and his very strong uh, sense of dynamics. For sure. You know what I mean? Because he knows how to set up, like, the set pieces, but also at the same time when it quietens down, it doesn't quieten down too much that you kind of lose, like, you know, uh, momentum. And I would say also, like, he... Because I know Robert Rodriguez directed it technically, but you can definitely tell that James Cameron was pretty much uh, not just the producer, but had a very strong supervisory role in all of it.
0: I think it's impossible to escape that because it's
1: James fucking Cameron. I mean, he's the man who did Titanic. It's a love story and a brutal disaster movie.
0: Yeah, I think (laughs) even someone as singular-minded as Tarantino or Wes Anderson would take a step back if Cameron came in.
1: Imagine Tarantino directing this. All the dialogue that we didn't need. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um,
0: speaking of dialogue, this is definitely one of the weaker aspects of the movie
1: for me. Okay, for you?
0: It's it's hokey, it's bombastic, it's at some point telenovela levels of quality. Okay, especially her big speech in Little Kansas
1: was. But I love the fact that she's still not nudge nudge, wink wink to Hugo. Yeah, because also at the same time, like I think there's something very meta about that, where like you know she's trying to kind of uh, how you say have a big speech, a call to arms. But also at the same time, like she's also kind of picking a fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoy that as well. But it's definitely... I mean, I think this is partly to do with they trying to stay true to what the manga was. And here's the thing. Manga doesn't translate super well into
1: English. No, it's very contextual. The yeah. Japanese language, definitely, if you read it and then if you speak it and then you translate it, it's like... Totally different, even on how you inflect your words, but I totally understand what you're trying, where you're trying to where you're coming mean, from. It wasn't bothering me because I've watched
0: enough anime to just yeah. It's almost like there's a filter in my head saying this it doesn't sound right in English, but obviously this is meant to be more epic in Japanese. Just accept
1: it. But then like the thing is, this is a Western adaptation, so you think there's also probably a failure on maybe like the s- script or maybe I, I don't I'm not sure the who screenplay. I'm not
0: sure who wrote it. Okay, uh, I. I mean, that's a feeling on my part. I should have uh, made a note of who wrote it. But I think there's definitely, it's a twirling between trying to translate it properly for Western audiences and staying true to source material because Cameron loves Battle Angel Alita. He's remade this three times. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> for sure. And I'm sure Rodriguez also really, really loves it. He's a comic book nerd. Of course he's going to love the source material. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like maybe there was a kind of unwillingness to kill your darlings,
1: as it were. Or maybe it was like, you know what, she she does it, say that. Let's yeah. just do it. Let's just, because I, I still believe, right, because it was Robert Rodriguez who kind of pushed for having her have the anime eyes. Yeah. So maybe it was like, let's go full anime with this. Or maybe it's more along the lines of, this is what happens in the book. I've always wanted to see this live action. I'm just going to do exactly what was presented on the page. And pages. probably
0: they also thought, yeah, the dialogue isn't great, but people will forgive it because she's going to push that guy's head for a table after this
1: not a spoiler so we can say that yeah no it's <laughs> in the trailer It's oh yeah it's in the trailer yeah but I would say yes the action sequences man uh, one thing I, I, and I just need to express this very quickly it's yeah. like one thing that solidified uh, Rosa Salazar as Alita like the moment I like you know dropped my guard and said you know what I don't need to be super protective of this anymore I can just enjoy it for what it is was when like that sequence when uh, in the bar yeah and she just Rex Fools. I was like, this is perfect. This that is was ex-
0: probably the best bar fight I've seen in years. I can't remember the last good bar fight we've seen in
1: a movie. For me? Yeah, I can't think of anything. I would also say uh, every action sequence. And like, it only, the only thing that kind of, I wouldn't say it's annoyance is just like, okay, it still has some of that slow-mo. Yeah. Which I, like Zack Snyder did to death, but also at the same time. I think
0: it's done just enough to where it captures the moments where you need it, especially mm. the conflict in the sewer.
1: Also, I would also say, like give props to maybe the director and the producer and their sense of dynamics where it's like sometimes, like you see a Transformers movie and you have no idea what's going on. Sometimes you just need to slow down exactly at this point of time to just see how she manages to thread the needle you yeah. know, between all these metal tentacles and fists and stuff. And it's like, you know what? Um, yeah, it's brilliant action. Also, another thing I have to say. Uh,
0: there's a big problem with a lot of movies today where all the best parts in the trailer, not true here. I right? know, oh, they say yeah, so. <laughs> there, there is some, and especially the first proper action scene.
1: In the alleyway, right?
0: Yeah, it's like, I was thinking, okay, fine, fine. Oh, Jesus! Oh, God! <laughs> so this is the movie I'm watching.
1: I mean, like, I mean, also bring up your point on like people having problems with dialogue or with exposition. Like, I mean, it's a science fiction story. Yeah, it's a science It's, it's a, sci- a world set far away from where we are now. Yeah, so and who knows wh- how
0: people speak in
1: the exactly. future. I
0: mean, I'm not saying that's something that took me out of the movie, but it's definitely a criticism that I have. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it might be too much, which is fine. I watched it with my wife, who is not an anime fan. She watched some when she was younger, but she's not big into it. And mm-hmm. she enjoyed it as much as I did, but she definitely didn't enjoy the dialogue as much as I did, which yeah. is, you know, which it's something that
1: right. I would say is forgivable. Yeah. And like the thing is, you can look at it from many different angles and see like the reasoning for adding that. Yeah, dialogue. I
0: mean, I, you can explain it any which way to make it palatable and not make huge logic leaps. Mm. One thing which I'd say is definitely a big weak point and something which is. How to forgive is how they portrayed Hugo in the movie.
1: Yeah, Hugo is the only thing I, I think they got wrong in the entire movie. Now, it's
0: a mixture of being poorly written and poorly executed. I will not even say
1: poorly written because... He, I mean, his lines come straight from the pages of the book. It's just that they decided to omit a few things which kind of... um doesn't quite give him the kind of emotional push that is necessary for that character. I
0: think it's also because they aged him up. And yeah, they had to. They they had to for plot reasons, which is not necessarily an issue. But with that was lost a certain core to his character, which was in the manga, which made his storyline so tragic. Mm. To where in a movie it's just like, oh, it's just some random uh, bad boy pretty guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I would agree that um, Kian Johnson, who plays Hugo, I mean, the thing is, he's, he's not that essential to the story of uh, Battle Angel Alita, but in the OVA, he was pushed to the forefront as being probably like you know the the emotional impetus for her to do certain things. Yeah, which is also like I would say, like the movie follows the OVA very closely. Mm-hmm. So please don't watch the OVA. Watch the movie, then you watch the OVA, because the OVA I would say is a weaker adaptation. Yeah, I would seriously suggest just watch the movie. The movie is, like, to me, very close to what a perfect adaptation should be when it comes from Japanese manga. Something that has been condensed from, like, thousands of pages into two and a half hours, and it still feels like it didn't leave anything out. Yeah, I mean, Hugo
0: is the only one where I was like, this is definitely not good. Every other performance.
1: Well, you got oscar winners <laughs> you yeah. got oscar winners filling I mean, up all the supporting characters who are we
0: gonna choose as the sinister bad guy behind the scenes oh mahasha ali sure of course who are we gonna choose to play the doctor Christopher or why not mysterious Shari- woman jennifer fucking connolly yep yeah i mean every even you know who are we gonna choose as the pretty boy assassin guy who's gonna be a minor conflicting character ed screen of course
1: <laughs> okay and but uh I mean, I don't want to harp on too much about the Hugo character, but do you feel that it's also Kian Johnson's, um, how you say, do you think it's a poor performance? that he doesn't quite capture the desperation that is necessary for you to kind of feel for somebody who allegedly is, you know, struggling to get by and who needs to do something extremely illegal to survive? I think... there's definitely an element of that because he definitely seems
0: to be doing fine i think he's smiling too much he's smiling a lot he's got that cool jacket and that crazy ass bike yeah yeah it's like he's too much like a greaser he he's giving me a real um shia labeouf a la crystal skull vibes really
1: i mean for me the problem i have is basically i mean i'm speaking more as a fanboy Yeah. Whereas like what made Hugo essential in the manga is the fact that, you know, I could super relate to how he would make the choices he made because of the backstory he was given. Yeah. And since it's missing in this, I'm pretty sure a lot of Otaku is definitely gonna complain about how Hugo isn't quite the Hugo. Yeah, I mean, to
0: the point where there's a really big moment in the movie where Which is essential to Alita's development. And I mean It's not that it's ineffective, but I feel like it would have been more powerful if they maybe spent a bit more time Mm -hmm. with him. I think even just an extra five minutes of footage could have helped elevate the character.
1: Yeah, I mean, just something as simple as a flashback, right? Yeah. To kind of like solidify where he came from. Yeah, and I I don't know if it's
0: uh, bad acting or just not enough direction was given to him
1: i would just say there's like too many external factors probably but yeah like, the thing is ends justify the means and at the end of it i think the only weak thing about this whole thing is definitely the hugo character which i would say is a summation of not just uh, not enough uh, development but also maybe the actor not quite pulling off the kind of uh emotion or the kind of like you know how to say uh the, like his personality was just too happy and cheerful yeah I mean but then again I'm also speaking as a fanboy maybe I'm just being a little bit nitpicky who here.
0: knows I mean hey it's a testament to the strength of the movie that there's only one character that we're harping on because
1: mm-hmm. everything th- else is perfect I mean, <laughs>
0: almost I the only other character grabs I would have is that I love me as a Mahershala Ali so to have him be so muted
1: but he does play two roles in his he movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey you know <laughs> good on him for that but, I don't know, it would have been nice to see him be a bit more of a threat. But,
1: I mean, you've read the manga, right?
0: I've, yeah, I've, I've read the manga, so I know that he's... But they've changed other parts of the story, so why couldn't yeah. they...
1: I'll, but also, at the same time, I would say, like, despite everything we've mentioned, right, it actually is a very faithful adaptation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it changes things, but they change it in a way that makes sense within
1: how the world would be, even in the manga. Also, I mean, they also change for the sake of you know fitting it into a certain runtime
0: yeah and hey it made the story move along at a fantastic pace and mm. there was never a moment where I was rolling my saying oh please get on with it
1: you know what we need to do like once we get Mr. Toffee back we should do another review but just full of spoilers oh for sure because we'll... there's a lot of things I want to nerd out about I especially think we need to when have
0: a, to... we need to have a spoiler cast of this I think like we did with Infinity War
1: yeah we definitely have to do one more time and we definitely need to get the resident weeaboo involved in it but yeah. I would say this Uh, maybe wrapping up this review your final impressions or final words
0: I I hope this movie does well because I think we need to see the sequel because there's a very obvious sequel hook in this movie you gotta you gotta do it. you gotta because we know that the manga goes on for you know nine volumes so we need to see where this goes Mm. but this movie deserves to do well because you can see the love and passion that went to it yeah and it's a damn fun time like this movie is much better than i think people are expecting it to be Mm mm-hmm because it's a title which I don't think is super well known in the states outside of the back existing manga culture.
1: Yeah, I don't think like weaboos are that into like stuff from the nineties. The only thing they, they keep, the only thing from the nineties is probably Dragon Ball. Yeah, I mean, wait, Dragon Ball's from the eighties. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, earlier, it was the nineties for them. It was the nineties for them, and then the two thousands for this current generation. Yeah, this so, is like the, the third coming of Dragon Ball in the West, <laughs> which is strange to me because it's like. You're starting on this now. Well, it's like
0: you know, parents are like, "Oh, that was my stuff from the '90s." Like,
1: that uh, uh, was like, "Never mind." Uh, whatever. I sure, oh, mean, is it true? Is it hipster anime guys who's like, "Oh, I read this." Like, well, you weren't even born yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> Probably, but I yeah, read this when it came out. No, you didn't. <laughs> this movie
0: is a solid seven out of ten for me. Oh, really? Yeah, seven. Dude, I'm gonna give it an eight. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, a second. Second week
1: in a row, you give a better reviewed score than I do. No, I never give eight. Uh, the last time I gave eight was Infinity War. Really? Yeah. I wow. only give sevens or sixes, usually fives. I mean, <laughs> this could have been an... It's because I'm a fanboy. Of course. And the thing is, I want fanboys to watch this. Because if you love the manga, and if you have seen the OVA... And if you are worried about this being a bad, uh, adaptation, Don't it's be. not. It's fantastic. Take it from me. I love the manga. Uh, there are certain things that you guys will definitely complain about, but let's be reasonable. Look past, like, the thing. You can't have it exactly like how it comes out yeah. in the book.
0: And to not to over justify my score, but this is a very enthusiastic 7 out of 10. Mm. I, it's because there are definitely some issues which need to be addressed. Yeah. But it's like, I would happily go see this again tomorrow or even tonight.
1: I'm not having to buy to this, work. man. I'm going to buy this when it's coming on Blu-ray. I want to own this. This is probably... This I is
0: worth a 3D TV for almost. Nah. That is what <laughs> I <felt>. I'll
1: <laughs> still watch it on 4K. I'm fine. Yeah. No, I would say this is right. Like, the only other like Blu-ray I bought recently is Mandy. Wow. So, uh, owning the Battle Angel Alita Blu-ray will bring my collection up to two. Damn. It's like... I would say this... Um, this is something for the fans. It is, uh, but it's not made by fans.
0: It's definitely for the fans, made by fans. But it's not impenetrable like a lot of fan-made movies are. Yeah, I and mean, it's definitely something you can go in without any knowledge of the backstory and mm. really enjoy yourself.
1: I agree. I but agree.
0: This made me want to go back to reading the manga after I watched it because I wanted to see, oh, what are the differences? How much more does it work the This family? is
1: why I really can't wait to do a, uh, a spoiler class because then we can do sequel discussion. Oh, for sure. Because the thing is, right, Battle Angel Alita is still kind of going on. It's still around, manga-wise. Yeah. It's on its third series. uh, And it takes it to, like, some far-flung places. But I would say, hands down, she is probably one of, I would say, one of the most slept-on potential pop culture icons. I would say that. Because it's, like, it's very hard. I mean, like, sure, you have your Sailor Moon. Sure, you Mm -hmm. have Cutie Honey or maybe the girls from Evangelion. But I, I would say, like, you know... Alita deserves her time to shine. And this movie, if it inspires people to read the manga or to maybe like, you know, convince people or the powers that be that we need more of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, this movie needs to do well. I, I has to. I, I need to believe that people will enjoy this movie and go out to watch this.
1: Do you know what I want to write now? What? I want the guys behind DMC to make the the video game adaptation. Yes! (laughs) Oh my god. That's what I want. I want a Battle Angel Alita video game with, like, Okay, you got Senua's Sacrifice out of your system. Yeah. Okay, just give me a, an an awesome action game yeah, and you're the guys it. I trust to do this. Stop listening to those fanboys.
0: You made the best version of ever May Cry.
1: Yes. Okay, we said it. <laughs> and we are the last king. The final word on everything. Absolutely. So, yeah, there you go. Strongly recommended. Okay, Battle Angel Alita. Uh, for all our listeners in the US, it'll be coming out Valentine's Day. So you need so if you want to impress that girl that you I don't know just take her to this movie maybe it'll work maybe not I don't know uh, it's gonna come out in Japan on the 22nd so yeah. probably like next week is gonna be back to video games again yeah because we week- need to talk about Kingdom Hearts and Anthem which just dropped
0: yeah I mean I'll, I'll be covering Anthem a bit uh, I'll definitely be covering Kingdom Hearts I'm having so much fun with it oh yeah but it's not good. <laughs> oh, can you explain the story?
1: No, because no the... one can. <laughs> it's such a convoluted. Because myth. look, look, Goofy and Donald Duck and never mind. But okay, <laughs>
0: the... I want to <laughs> save Donald it. Duck and never mind. Yeah. That's the best explanation. And you, of the Kingdom main, Hearts. you,
1: the main protagonist, have to save, you know, the Disney animated universe from anime. Basically, hey, all I know is that you get to write.
0: Ride fun the mountain while stabbing someone in the eye. Yes, yes I do.
1: Dude, one of your special powers is like the magical teacup ride. I s- I've seen that in action. Oh man, I smiled so hard when I saw it. It was just so fun. Okay, but anyway, so next week Kingdom Hearts review and Anthem review. Uh, maybe we'll do a spoiler cast for uh, Battle Angel Alita. Maybe should we do an all uh anime adaptation episode? On the 22nd? Mm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We'll see. You know what? The only way for you Last King fans to find out is to stay tuned, keep subscribed. (laughs) Keep on listening. Keep on listening. We're going to be doing this for a while.
0: Absolutely. We're not going anywhere. So anyway,
1: yes. Final notes. Battle Angel or Alita Colon? Yes, it's Colon. Alita Colon Battle Angel. Highly recommended by your friends here at The Last King. So uh, with that I should be wrapping up there.
0: I think we should So
1: I have been Eccentric Tom And I have been A berserker body
0: <laughs> You wish You had a berserker body
1: Oh um, at least I won't get fat <laughs> Signing out